0: I tell you what, I, I I think it might have been 1963 I gave up on New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and God bless you if you can hang on to those. <laughs> I know that a lot of us, uh, you know, we, you know, kind of resurge with our uh, Bible reading program. And that's a great, that's like the best resolution to have is... Uh, time in the Word of God. But I know that there's other uh, issues that come up in your life. And you say, I'm I'm going to make a resolution about this. And uh, it gets to being a little challenging. Um, I know that, um, I don't think I brought it with me. But I have um, an article. And maybe some of you have read it. But uh, Billy Graham's grandson, Tullian Tevigian. He's a pastor in Florida, and he talked in his article about New Year's resolutions. And it's that feeling like it's, you know, two steps forward and three steps back each year. You know, here's, you know, and somebody else makes resolutions. And they, why is it that they seem to, you know, keep it all the time? And, oh, but what he does in his article is he brings in the idea, the concept and the truth of grace, Um we, we stumble and fall with our resolutions. We don't always keep them, you know. And yet, isn't God faithful? Isn't God faithful? God is faithful to do His work in your life. And folks, we are uh, going to open up the word here in a little bit to First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. You can turn there in your Bible. But this message today... Uh, Connects with last week uh, with Brennan's message about being on mission with Jesus. And I really appreciated the the message that Brennan brought here uh, from Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. And we need to think of that through here's this new year. And Jesus says, Go and make disciples. And that's what we want to emphasize. And also, this message connects really with my um, the the message last month in uh, December regarding just what is ministry. And we connect with that one also in in carrying on in our time in the Word here. In that message back in December on December nine. Uh, Ministry was talked about, and ministry was defined as being when a Christian brings a truth from God's Word to someone else, praying that God would make that Word bear fruit through the inward working of His Holy Spirit. So a, that definition that we give, it, it doesn't mean we wait until we gather on a Sunday for ministry, right? Right? We are involved in it each day. That's the idea for a Christian. And each day, Christian, we're not waiting for Sunday to show up to be a worshiper, are we? We worship throughout the week, all day. You know, we want to learn to do that. Same thing with prayer pray without ceasing. These are um, what we would call spiritual disciplines. And you know, we think, oh, I'm no, I'm, there you go with resolutions again. I, I'm not any good at spiritual disciplines. Well, you know what? By God's grace, you are. By God's strength, you will be. And you resolve in your heart to go after the spiritual disciplines in your life. Things like praying. Things like knowing a truth from God's Word. Things like memorizing Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Those are spiritual disciplines. Um, Donald Whitney, in his little paperback book that I have right here, um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, says this, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's Word. Nothing can substitute for it. And that's what we have to have in mind, my friend, that there's no substitute for God's Word. And then he goes on to say, there is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of the Word of God. In his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. So, today, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, look there with me, chapter 2, starting at verse 13, we're going to spend most of our time in verse 13 again, we'd talked about it back in december 9th about ministry centered around the word of god not around programs but ministry that's centered on the gospel and the word of god and i also mentioned in that message that ministry must be through the holy spirit it can't be in your own strength and in your own power when it is it falls flat and and doesn't accomplish anything for god's glory It might accomplish something, but it's not really accomplishing something for God's glory. And so that's why we need to think through what ministry is about. Ministry is about the Word of God, about the Gospel, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all of us are to be a part of it, not just the paid professionals. You and I, as children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we are involved in ministry as we take His Word take it in, intake, and then we chew on it, we meditate on it, we memorize it, we have it, and we can then use it for ministry, for God's glory. That's the idea involved here. So, this passage that we want to look at is really, it's, it's more about the Word of God. And if you are at all interested, there, um, this book by Donald Whitney is a great book. Um, any of you have this book? Anyone? Okay. Easy paperback, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, Donald S. Whitney. Another one that's a bit more challenging, uh, maybe a, a college level type, it's called Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura, the Protestant position of the on the Bible, and it's um, uh, a new, numerous uh, authors that have contributed to this book sola scriptura um, for more of a challenge in your reading here okay um so we want to understand some basic things here regarding the word of god let me say this as we get started god bless you folks that you are um many of you you're already doing this you're already involved in this you're you're moving with this You're going with the Word of God. But there's others of you here in this room that are not. You're not involved in having the intake of the Word of God. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you must have the intake of the Word of God in your life. You must. If you want to grow, and I bet you I could even say it. You know what? You're, You're having problems in your life more so than normal because... You're, you're constantly not going, you're not going to the word. You're going to yourself or others for answers. And Christian, we must learn to go to God for his answers, for his counsel, for his consolations, for his comfort, for his instruction, for his rebuke. All of those things. Why? Because God loves you. And he's he's already laid it out in his word. Okay? So we're gonna read verse thirteen again. Follow along. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, see there's there's just there's going to make in disciples Right there in that passage. When you heard it from us. They went and they made disciples. Okay. Which you heard from us. You accepted it. Not as the word of men. But for what it really is. The word of God. Which also performs its work in you who believe. For you brethren became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. With the result that they always fill up The measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them to the utmost dear lord as we um, continue on we ask you lord by your holy spirit to direct us and guide us we pray in jesus name amen okay so number one you see it in your outline in your bulletin just receive it (laughs) just receive it receive the word sounds easy doesn't it sounds easy enough (laughs) <laughs> but do we receive the word? We think, well, yeah. Well, let me ask this. Is there heartfelt conviction? That's that first line there. Is there heartfelt conviction? And this is referring to John chapter 16, verse 8, where it talks about the Holy Spirit, the, the responsibility, the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction of Sin, that we've done wrong. We're rebels. And secondly, to bring conviction of righteousness. Convincing us of God's righteousness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Then as we open up the book, the Bible, thus, here's the work of the Holy Spirit, but we've got to receive it. Simply stated. However, it's a greater challenge because... Quite honestly, it's like we are with so many things. We become what? We become too familiar, so to speak. We we act like this is, oh, just another kind of ho-hum kind of thing. And we lower the word of God to man's status. But that's not what the Thessalonians did. And we're going to see about that here in a little bit. There's a tendency that we have. I'm not saying everyone does this. I'm not saying... You know, we each and every one do this. But that's a tendency of human nature. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need God's grace. God's help. Because we tend to drag things down to our level, to our comfort zone. So over time, it gets a little familiar. The tendency is to have... uh, Yeah, I've got contact with the Word of God. I, I go to church on Sunday... But in, in doing that, at the same time, we can kind of keep it at arm's length, distance. You know, don't, I, I hear the word of God. I, I'm exposed to it, but I, you know, I don't admit this, but I tend to, you know, keep it at arm's length. I, I want my comfort zone distance with it, right? And so we have to check our attitude, And I put in your your outline there, attitude, attitude, attitude. Right? That's really important. Now, all this is based upon the fact that you are saying you're a Christian. You're saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And so it's the idea of receiving what? The Word of God. That's what we're talking about. Receive the Word of God. Simply stated. But sometimes, and this is what happens, many of you... You've been around church for years and years and years. And your attitude can come into this. Oh, I know that. I, I got that down. Yeah. Isn't that neat? But see, that's not the right attitude to come on a Sunday morning or to any other Bible study time. Don't, don't have that attitude. Oh, I know that. I mean, I, I went there. I've been there, done that with uh, college days With, you know, going to the churches down in Southern California that we went to. Oh yeah, got that. In fact, I can bring my Greek New Testament to church. And I got it. Looks pretty impressive. But we have to check our attitude. Not from being, is it one of I know it? Or is it one of I need it? And if you're a Christian for 150 years and you're sitting here in the room, you ought to be the example of saying, I need it. I need it. But all too often, because of our nature, we're with that first attitude. Yeah, I know that. That's good. Yeah, And you did a great job. Like as if we're a critic of how it should be done. <laughs> and sometimes you need to be... a I mean, we, we all need to be like the Bereans, right? I've got people in my life that are not afraid to come up to me and say, you know what, Woody? What you said up there was a bunch of hogwash or what you, that, that line, you were you, you off. And I need that. I'm just a human. I'm nothing special. I need, I need the, the people that are close in my life to come and, and talk to me about that okay and so it is with you and i there needs to be an attitude check um fathers mothers you need to help your children to learn to do this too saying i let's not let's not get to where oh i know that no you got that down and i mean for instance i we love awana ministry right carl and christy and others that are helping in awana but the there's a little thread underneath there that kind of says you got it because you got it on your vest or you got it on the chart and you got it. Now, that's a good thing because it's helping the child move along in growth, in understanding, in the intake of the Word of God, but we have to help them not to formulate an attitude that just says, I know that. And they don't have to deal with it anymore because I know that. Okay, so watch out for that. We're warned about it in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8 says, Do not harden your heart. As in the rebellion. What is he referring to? Well, back in the wanderings of the Old Testament, they, they had a hard heart. And what did they know? What did the Israelites know? They knew of God's deliverance. They knew of God's power. They knew of God being near His people. They knew that. But what happened? Their hearts grew hard. And Christian, you and I have to watch this, that our hearts don't grow hard to the hearing of the Word of God. And see, a lot of times we just don't equate that. We always think, well, I've had faith in Jesus all my life. You know, I've always walked with God. But there's a... I'm telling you there's the tendency for the heart to still grow hard with that knowledge. So, is your attitude one of, I know it, or is your attitude one of, I need it? I want you to turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a a very important passage here, and it's not just the verses I'm reading, but you check the context of this passage, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12, He's saying, I, I really... Uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. Verse 1, okay? And then he goes along and gives a bit of a history of things. And look at verse 6. Now, these things happened as, what? Examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also. He's talking to believers, don't crave after those things. You, you got this as an example from the Old Testament. Here it is. Now look at verse 11. Now, these things happened to them as... Oh, he just said that. He's saying it again. These things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. What a tremendous practical instruction for us in receiving the lessons and the instruction and the Word of God in our lives. Don't don't have that attitude that I know it. If you know it, why don't you teach it? Ha <laughs> ha. Hey, get involved in teaching then. If you know it, now it's important that you, know, you you get the the picture of this here that we're we're not trying to just say well jump into teaching without you know talking to the elders or the Sunday school people you know we're just saying you need to learn in these things and grow in wisdom hey okay? so 1 Corinthians 10 11 and 12 so receive the word simply just receive it welcome it accept it cherish it <laughs> number 2 Number two, in your outline. Receive it as divine. Because it is. Receive it as divine. The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, you accepted it, what? Not as the word of men, but as what it really is. I love that little, you know, you know word in there. But what it really is, it's the word of God. Now, some of you, you're, in, you're hearing this, uh, this message come forth and maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I, I don't believe that this is the word of God. I, um, it's a good book, uh, etc. you know got a lot of interesting teachings in it, but it's not the word of God. Well, I'm not going to convince you in this time right here that it is. But number one, it, it claims to be The word of God and most of you understand that most of you are are right on track with that but it might be that there's one two or three people here this morning who who are not believers that that look at this more like a, a book of like Greek mythology what's the difference Greek mythology was put together by men the Bible was put together by men led by the Holy Spirit there's the difference They were inspired to write down the very things that God wanted them to do. Wanted them to write out. So it's important that we understand the fact that this is not just any book. This is the divine word of God. It's the Holy Bible. And these believers in Thessalonica received it that way. Accepted it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. Notice the question. Under point number two, does it hold, does the word of God hold unmatched distinction in your life? Or does it hold unmatched distinction? Is it set apart from other books in your thinking, in your mind? Or is it just part of the library? John chapter 6 verse 64 through 69 gives Peter's response Um, in verse sixty. Three, verse 63 it says that many who were following him left and they followed him no more because of what the hard things Jesus was saying and Jesus turns to them his disciples who are there and says will you too also go and what does Peter say famous words from Peter to whom shall we go you have the words of Oprah Winfrey No. You have the words of the Torah? No. You have the words of eternal life. Okay? You have the words of eternal life. And that's what Peter is doing. He's distinguishing his words apart from man's. Okay? Same thing in in Caesarea Philippi. Okay? Jesus brings the people there, his disciples, and look, look at this. Look at this in Caesarea Philippi. All these uh, carvings of gods on the cliff rock there. And he, he, he kind of, in, in the shadow of that cliff there with all these carvings of gods, he, he says, who do people say that I am? And they, they said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, there's distinction there with Jesus and His words. Um, mark this down. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Jeremiah 17 verse 5 says this. Thus says the Lord. There's another proof of the Bible being the word of God. Thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who puts trust in man. And makes flesh his strength. Whose heart departs from the Lord. Why do we reference that? Jeremiah 17 5. Why? Because that's what mankind is so prone to do is to put his trust in other men. And we, again, we kind of deflect that off and in away in from us because, no, I, I don't put my trust in men. Do you? Really? I mean, analyze that. Examine that. Think that through. It might not be other people, but is it you? Is it you that you put your trust in? That's the battle. I, I know I face that battle. I can put my trust in myself and my experience. But God tells us to trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you, this very familiar verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. There it is. There's that distinction it's not to be brought closer together. Oh, let's mix this with this. No, we need to trust the Lord and hold Him and His Word in high distinction. Here's a bit of the, the difference that I would put forth. Um, the difference of, here's trusting in man's principles, man's precepts, man's ways, and his traditions versus God's Word. It's like chaff, and we're going to be learning about this in Psalm chapter 1 as we memorize Psalm chapter 1. It's like chaff versus what? Wheat. What's the difference? Well, eyeballing it, they look similar, don't they? But the, the difference is there's absolutely no nutritional value in the chaff. There's none. Where's the nutritional value? In the wheat. Yeah. That's what the word of God is like versus the word of man. Not just that, but the Bible also refers to the grass withers, right? And the flower of the grass fades. But, what? The word of the Lord will endure forever. Grass versus uh, all Moses tried this. Moses tried to use the mountains. I mean, not tried, but Moses did in Psalm 90 use the mountains as an illustration of God's enduring character. Right? And so here's the grass. And the Bible talks about the grass coming up in the morning and withering at night. It withers because of the heat. Okay? And that's like man's word. That's like man in you know that's like flesh, <laughs> that's what he's talking about there in First Peter. So there are differences, and it's helpful as you're um, with children at home, or your 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 grandchildren, whatever it might be, um, and, and helping them see that word picture. Right? This doesn't last. This does. Okay, what you see on TV doesn't last. Not good. know it's, it's not going to help with spiritual growth. Learn the word of God. So it's what, it's the difference is that which, which withers and that which endures. Psalm 118, just mark it down. Psalm 118 verse eight and nine says it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. There's is the idea that we understand here with the Thessalonian believers. They received the word of God as divinely inspired. Uh, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write down Psalm 146, verse 3 and 4. He, uh, there too it says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. Okay. Point number three. Receive it as your daily portion. We receive it as divine. Number three is we, see, we receive it as your daily portion. You're a child of God. Therefore, look at it as your, your portion of food. Right? It's Is there growth taking place in your life? How do you know? Is there growth happening? Now, let me say this because a lot of times, I know for adults, it's like you feel like you've been on a five-year wandering, wilderness wandering for five years, and you say to to the pastor, "You say, well, I've been been trying to read the Word, I've been taking time in the Word, and but it just feels like, right? Have you you kind of come across that? It feels like nothing's happening. How do we know we're growing?" And so I want to be careful and and just coming across to you like, oh, just be in the word and you'll grow. It doesn't happen just like that. There's got to be, you you receive it with faith. You receive it um, hungry. Hungry. If I were to keep you here for 10 hours preaching, one of the first things you'd want to go do is go Maybe go to the bathroom, but maybe go home and get a big ham and turkey sandwich and eat it or a drink and drink it, whatever, right? This is something that we do every day. You get your daily portion, whether it's at, uh, port subs Burger King or wherever. Sorry about Burger King, no, but, uh. Where, whatever at home where, wherever and the same thing goes with here's the word of god the problem is what as i said before earlier in the message we tend to build up that attitude like well i i know it i don't i don't need to have a regular showing here with the word and that's very deceiving for you that leads you astray that hardens the heart And so, is there growth taking place in your life? This is the only way you will mature in your faith, is through the intake of the Word. Like we eat and drink. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Thy words were found, and I I ate them. That's what Jeremiah tells us. He's pointing out the idea that it's like food, and I'm hungry, and I'm going to eat it. Thy words were found, and I ate them. And you know what? Then he goes on to say, And thy words, listen, became the joy and delight of my heart. If you're you're struggling, Jeremiah 15, 16 is is a shining light in a dark room for you. Take up the word of God. Receive it. Eat it. Take it in. Consume it. John 6 47 through 54, Jesus starts saying things like, hey, you know, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. What? Everyone, you know, the, the disciples are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And everyone's around them that's heard these words are going, no, 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 we We aren't cannibals. And you know, if you've been a, a believer for any length of time, you know. He's just saying, take me. I am the He said this earlier in chapter 6. He said, I am the bread of life. You must partake of the bread of life. So we can think of that in terms of salvation and we can think of that in terms of ongoing growth. You come to a point in your life where you receive the water of life. You receive the bread of life, the living water, the bread of life. You receive it. Have you? Have you come to faith in Jesus Christ? So, it's like what we eat and drink. It is also, it's our means of growth. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11 talks about how the the rain and the snow come down and they don't return to God void. The rain. And he says, that's what my word is like. I'm going to send forth my word and it will accomplish its purpose that I have set for it. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. And obviously, 1 Peter 2, it's our means of growth where Peter says, desire, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And the condition, what's the condition in, in, in this Verse. It performs its work in you who believe. And now get this. This is not a past tense reference of faith. This is an ongoing reference of faith in your life. And that's something I knew. I I fell into and thinking, Well, I already accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I, I learned that stuff. I went to seminars. I went to camp. I went to conferences. I went to Bible college for crying out loud. This is something that you under, you must understand. It's for you who believe ongoing. You must be in the word of God. Are you? So. It must be received. As a daily portion. And uh, we. We through this whole idea of receiving as our daily portion, you know, we confess as an ongoing thing. His supremacy, His worth, His wisdom, and all right alongside of confessing His supremacy, confessing His worth and His wisdom, we confess our sin, our waywardness, and our need for grace. You, you think, oh, I was saved by grace. Past tense. We read that verse today, and we, we've sung about it. It's not just past tense. It's an ongoing need for His grace right now, today. So, write this reference down. Psalm 119, verse 57. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. There's a resolve for the new year. But you know what the next phrase says? I promise to keep your words And then he goes on to say, I sought your favor with all my heart. Folks, you have to seek his grace. You have to welcome it in. Because it's there. It's without, you know, there's no, it's there. It's unending, right? (laughs) Never will it be dried out. Okay. Number four. Number four. In your outline, we receive the Word of God as your daily protection. It's your daily portion, but it's also your daily protection. Verse 14 through 16 talk about the opposition. The opposition that now these Thessalonians faced were, was much like what they faced back in Judea. Unbelieving Jews put up a big stink and an opposition against what was going on. And thus the church in its young infant stage had to what? Be spread out and go persecution caused that but that was in god's design also right they went and they spread out and and thus the church ends up going up around the horn of turkey and into europe why persecution was part of it but the opposition has always been there john chapter one if you do a study on on persecution and opposition against the message of the gospel it's very interesting and it's still true today most all of you know it. You read it, you see it going on. John one verse 11 says, "He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him." John eight forty seven. who is of God hears the words of God, for this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God." John chapter 10, verse 26 to 27But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." John 15 verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, he said that to his disciples. And here we sit in comfortable America. Pretty nice, isn't it? Pretty nice. We haven't faced persecution like they did. We face suffering of different kinds. I'm talking about here's a here's an attack against the Christian faith. We've really not had that much. Maybe it's on an individual basis, like at work, you know, even family members who who reject and and persecute them, those kind of things. But we need to understand this is what happens if we're going to follow in, with Christ and grow in Him. And these Christians in Thessalonica, they were rejected. And these verses show the extent of that rejection. Attacks causing suffering, verses 14 through 15. Attacks causing hindrances, verse 16. And this especially is a dangerous place to stand. Purposely diverting others from hearing the gospel message. Purposely discouraging others. God's judgment will be and is on any society that rejects His word. His truth and God's judgment will be coming forth in God's perfect timing. I've raced through some of these points, but the, the idea is that we must understand that in conjunction with what Brennan spoke of last week in the Great Commission, that we go and that we be on mission with Jesus, we can't really do that if we don't know the Word of God. You know, we and this is kind of, you know, it's like preaching the choir, as we say. You come, most all of you come on a regular basis, week after week after week. But you know what's going to really help? I did this when I was in San Francisco. Noreen and Sarah were in the hospital. And I was I on a Sunday I decided I'm going to go to a church. And it was Obviously, it was a tough time. But I remember asking God, God, I need you to speak to my heart. And I was able to go to a, a church in San Francisco that holds up the Bible and loves the Bible and loves Jesus Christ. And the man spoke from the Sermon on the Mount and spoke to my heart. See, a lot of times I'm not in that setting because i'm up in front i'm leading singing and i'm speaking but at that moment i i realized you know if all of us would just simply you know maybe it's friday night maybe it's sometimes saturday not sunday morning sunday morning it's like you got to get up and get going here we want you to come here (laughs) but saturday night would you take time to pray for yourself and your family would you humbly ask God to speak to your heart? There might be some of you here this morning that, you know, you get tired of hearing me. <laughs> I, I can understand. The thing you need to do is ask God. Ask God to speak to your heart. God wants to meet with you. God wants to grow you. But our attitude gets in the way. And I throw myself in there too. Our attitudes get in the way. And we get critical about things. Well that girl that sang next to Woody up there, you know. And all of a sudden, we are not locked in to worship. We're, we're doing the little, what are you gonna write a piece on, for the Lahontan Valley News about it? You know, we get critical. We get hard-hearted. We get bitter. And God's telling us in His Word, already telling us. He's already said said it and spoken it. Soften your heart. Receive the Word. It's divine. It's your portion. It's like the manna in the wilderness. Pick it up and eat it. Use it now. What does it mean to believe in the Bible? You walk out in Fallon and you say, I believe in the Bible. What does that mean? Well, it's got to start with what we talked about here in our, in our study. Have you received? Is there a clear reception of the Word of God? Is there a clear distinction? Is there a clear distinction of the Word of God in your life? Is there a clear condition that, yes, it's because I'm a walking, talking faith walking believer. I, I know I doubled up on a lot of words there, but are you a faith walking child of God? Then you hold this up and it's it's totally distinctive. And it's by faith. And you know what else? You you become like the the folks in, at Judea who are persecuted. Why? Because of Jesus. You follow Jesus, you're gonna Suffer persecution. So. We're going to shift gears now to communion. And we need to ask God for his help in that also. I want to. I started with this little reference to Tulian and I want to finish the message time with a, something that he wrote. Uh, in his article. Listen carefully to this. He Tulian Tavigian is a, man, a young man who's just just consumed with the grace of God, and he's writing about it, and he's preaching about it. And I say this as a quote from him as we go into communion. Remember well, let me, let me start with this question first: Does God's love for me? and His approval of me ride on my resolve to do better? Does God's love for me and His approval of me ride on my own resolve? Well, I'm just going to do better in 2013. No! It shouldn't. It doesn't. It, it can't. And then He goes on to say, remember this. The Gospel is not God's command For you to hang on to Jesus. I'm going to say it again. The gospel is not God's command for you to hang on to Jesus. But His promise of His holding you. No matter how weak. No matter how unsuccessful your faith and your efforts may be. He always holds on to His children. John chapter 10. God needs to be magnified for his constant, perfect success in meeting my failures. We need God's grace to resolve to be in the Bible, to put it into practice, right? And so, God, help us with that. Let's bow right now in prayer. Just personal prayer as you prepare your heart for our communion time. And I'd like the men who are serving to come at this time also, please.